0: Welcome to season three of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high known on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay, here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. latest episode of I'm not targeting you're targeting the 15th best podcast on the interwebs I'm half your host team JT along with Tom Tom how's it going
1: oh it's good it's good I was really hoping we're moving up we moved up a couple episodes back and we improved last week I think we're just sort of stagnant at 15 this week is what I'm hearing from you
0: yeah I don't know if I told you this but dad listened to the podcast and uh he said, uh, "He was at the he was at the store, and he, his office and my office are just side by side. Of course, he's retired, so he just comes in there and piddles and and watches Bill O'Reilly and a number of other things on the computer." And he said, "Hey, I'm listening to your podcast." He said, uh, "So so y'all y'all 15th most popular, huh?" <laughs> and I'm like. Do what he said. You send y'all are ranked fifteenth. I'm like, Dad, that's just we just pulled number out of the air. I said we started at forty seventh. I said, you know, it's it's just made up. I said, I. Figured hey, with if him, they, if they with him them, listening, you're yeah. With him listening, you're gonna have to start cleaning up your language. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I curse any. I mean, and that's another that brings me to another point, Tom. I, I'm a little nervous tonight. Uh, a good friend of mine, Huddy Hutchison, I think that's his last name. I just know him by Huddy. He uh, he actually put us on the radio, and so you very well might be listening to this podcast. Right now, it's Labor Day night for Tom and I as we record, but you might be listening to this right before the uh, Bama-Texas game, so it's Saturday morning, 9, 10 o'clock, I don't know, but if you're out there, 95.5 FM, you can pick it up around Northwest Alabama. Hey, welcome in, and if you ever want to listen to us off the radio, it's I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. You can search it in any podcast, uh, the Apple Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and uh, we've been trying to get out, give away, or give out our Twitter handles a little bit more often because we want some Twitter responses. We have three Twitter accounts: at Targeting that is the the show's the show's uh, Twitter handle. Mine personally is JTiffBama98. That is J, the letter J, T I F F, T I F F, J T I F F B A M A nine eight. And then Tom is U A R T Sims. That's it, ain't it? At U A R T Sims. Yeah, that's correct. So, uh, that's correct. well, let's break. Let's go ahead and get into the commentary. We uh, we have just finished up week one. Well, we're trying to finish up week one. I'm actually watching Clemson, Georgia Tech, as I'm sure you are too. And Georgia Tech comes out and throws a pick first play of the game. So, but then Clemson punts back to him, So no no harm, no foul. But speaking of the ACC. And I guess in the commentary, we're going to kind of go over the winners and the losers of this weekend. And Florida State last night, I guess you watched that, by the skin of their teeth, they beat uh, LSU by one point. Blocked field goal. Everybody's making fun of that. That You know, Coach O, a lot, lot of memes with Coach O today. And uh, that team is, they, you know, they have, it's, it's year one for Brian Kelly. I think he's a very good coach and he's gonna have to to bring his culture down there to the bayou and it's not gonna be easy I know they've got talent I mean Bama had talent when Saban came but we didn't have a good work ethic and it showed you know we started out six and two and then we ended up six and six Uh, we actually won our bowl game to go seven and six and then the next year you know we took off but the, you know, the big news today was Kayshawn Butte, who we really thought, though, that's the wide receiver from LSU, number seven. We really thought he was going to get in the transfer portal and that we would have a good shot at him, and he, he didn't. And I think he had two tar- – well, I don't know. I think he had two catches. I don't know how many targets. I think he had two catches for 20 yards last night. And he can't be happy with that. And you look at the, the receiver from Georgia that did come to Bama, Jermaine Burton. He had two touchdowns. I don't know how many catches, but – Two catches for Kayshawn, two touchdowns for Burton. So daylight and dark there. But the ACC, man, they really, really struggled. They needed that win much more so than the SEC did last night. With that loss, the SEC finished at 13-1 on the opening weekend. And you got Vandy, who's already 2-0. So I guess we finished 14-1 when you include week zero and week one. But, you know, Pitt, they should have lost, could have easily lost. Old Dominion upset Virginia Tech. NC State one by one over East Carolina. BC lost to Rutgers. Rutgers in the Big Ten. I mean, what a feather in the cap of the Big Ten for Rutgers to get a win over non-conference. That'd be like if Vandy can beat Wake this coming weekend. I don't think they can, but, you know, hey, is that Vandy if I'm not mistaken? UNC one by 2 over App State. That is not even the big story there, though. They had to score 63. Three to get that win. Just, I mean, that's pitiful. And then Louisville just got trounced by Syracuse. So, is that, but I think what's Syracuse? Are they ACC now? It's hard to keep up. But regardless, Syracuse is never any good. Louisville has been decent lately, and they got the brakes beat off of them.
1: There was some uh, interesting, you, you, you play out through a couple of those games real quick just, just yeah, to just highlight to give you, something. Give yeah, me a I mean, to ACC was definitely struggling there. One of the interesting parts about that North Carolina App State game, I was watching that on Saturday. App State was down by one because they went for they they scored in regulation to get it within one, and with the, just like fifteen seconds left, no, maybe a little bit, maybe about thirty seconds left, they decided to go for two instead of you know going for the extra point against North Carolina. Don't blame them, you Agreed. know. take call. It, yeah, the game was already in the 60s or 50s or whatever it was. And so they did not get it. So they're down one. So they kick an onside kick with 30 seconds left. Well, Carolina catches the onside kick in the air, uh, one of the guys for the uh, Carolina. And instead of falling down, taking a knee, going out of bounds or whatever, he did, he just goes ahead and runs it back for a touchdown, Yeah, which, which now they kick the extra point now they're up eight well that was the best scenario best case scenario for app state app state gets the ball back with like 25 seconds and proceeds to return the kick to the 50-yard line goes down and scores a touchdown with no time remaining and had the two-point conversion to try to tie it and put it into overtime and, and they missed that one as well but uh a funny 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 way to end that game for sure you know, you mentioned you mentioned LSU and, and and Florida State. Man, I tell you what, LSU. Good gracious, the folks down there that are already calling for um, Brian Kelly's head. And, and, and you mentioned this a while ago too about players transferring. Butte, of course, is is the big one. And then, then of course, after the game with a few targets, him and like two other wide receivers shut down their Instagram accounts or took LSU off all of them. I mean, just I think there's a lot of internal strife there. But I'm I'm going to make you reflect back here about 16 years to when Saban first got to Alabama. I say 16. Is that right,
0: 16? Uh, 15, uh, yeah, 15, 16. 15. I don't know.
1: 15 or 16. Do you remember in that first year, we had a couple of guys quit, leave early, uh, wouldn't get on the field, and they were kind of good, you know, decent decent players, pretty good players at that time. And I remember thinking, along with a lot of the rest of the Bama Nation, good. You know, we've been terrible. We've mm-hmm. been mediocre. If, if if those guys are a poison on the program, absolutely. Give them the hard line approach. Get them out of there. And that paid dividends. These guys in LSU are, are sort of the opposite uh, The players that are not getting the ball as much as they want or whatever the internal strife may be, they're blaming the brand-new head coach. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because I agree with what you said a while ago. Brian Kelly has is, is proven he he is a really, really good head coach. Uh, I think he had a ceiling at Notre Dame, which Notre Dame doesn't want to admit these days, mm-hmm. but he did, and that's the reason he's in LSU. <clears throat> but he is a good coach. But, but yeah, that. Terrible weekend for the ACC, really.
0: Yeah, DJ Hall was one of the main ones on that 0-7 team, and just and man, he was a great wide receiver. He absolutely torched Tennessee. Even though we didn't beat him all four years, he was there. He torched them a lot. But what I, what I will always remember about DJ Hall is at Auburn, and he lets the defensive back. I think he was from Decatur. Uh, out-muscle him for a ball in the end zone that, that ended up being an interception, should have been a touchdown. And, you know, on senior night, senior day, whatever, he was suspended, and that was the day we lost to Louisiana Monroe, and Saban cracked and played him in the second half. Now, I don't know if he had planned on playing him in the second half, but I'll tell you this. Going into that game, all the fans were convinced that DJ Hall was suspended for the game, not just for the half. So, you know, whether Saban cracked or whatever, Uh, And it's tough to keep a senior out of senior day, but still, that was the, that was the, those were the cancers we had to get off that team. And and look what it did in 08. I hope, I hope Kelly does not have our 08 record, which will be 12 and 0. So, no doubt. The ACC, and then now, of course, this, they're beating up on each other tonight. And, uh, cause it's, uh, it's ACC crime on ACC crime tonight because you have Georgia Tech and Clemson. So, They, ACC, had the second worst weekend as a conference. The worst weekend as a conference belongs to the Pac-12. And not just because they lost, Oregon got beat by Georgia. It's the way Oregon lost to Georgia. And, man, Georgia, they got some dudes on their team, man. They're just freak athletes. Not that Bama doesn't have the same freak athletes. Not that Ohio State doesn't either. I just think Oregon is just that overmatched. And I'll go even, I'll go further to say, I don't think that a lot of conference teams, a lot of SEC teams would have beaten them 42 to 3. What was it? 49 to 3 because the over-under is 54 and a half for entertainment purposes only, of course. But of course. I really believe if if Oregon plays Bama and Atlanta, it's a loss. Florida and Atlanta is a loss. Arkansas, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky. Like I don't see Oregon beating a lot of SEC teams this year. And Bo Nix, well, he lives up to his name uh, over the weekend. Bo picks, and so insult to injury, you know. After that game ended, they still had Utah, who was three point favorites over Florida, and they got beat, which wasn't a wasn't a shellacking, but still, loss is a loss. And like we talked about off air before we hit the record button tonight, it, you know, here's I'll just pose this question: Is the Pac-12 out of the playoffs already in week two?
1: Yeah, I think I think we talked about that last week too about uh, all the trouble they'd be in if they lost both those games and and we we did put it on Twitter over the weekend. Hey, are they finished? And I I think I think they have a more than reasonable shot now of not having a participant in the playoff. And the reason that is is not necessarily just because you're going to say, "Oh, well one loss can't get you in." The problem with is if you don't run the table, and we're looking at you, USC, because you're likely the only team out there that could do that. Yeah. If you don't run the table, you have to start stacking your resume up against folks, and and that's against other one-loss folks and other two-loss folks. Never do they stack an undefeated team against a one-loss team, uh, unless you're in a non-Power 5 conference. Yeah. But – so, so you've lost your margin of, of error looking back at week one and going, you know, we had a shot to show that we at least belong in the conversation or here's a feather in at least our collective conference cap that shows we can compete with folks. But but that didn't happen. They They were non-competitive in the Georgia game. And Utah, most... The highest rankings were Utah and Oregon, mm-hmm. Utah being 7, Oregon being 11. Yes. All right, so there was probably 50-50 on people picking either Utah or Oregon as the winner of the Pac-12. So, that, you know, so the the consensus is that one of those two were going to win it. Same can be said with Georgia. Same cannot be said with Florida. No, Florida no. Florida was at best – you know, of course, they well, to the win the SEC for all we're saying, but, you know, the, what,
0: fifth, sixth, seventh well, in l- the conference? Let me interject here because I, I'm glad you brought that up. I had, I didn't write it down to bring it up, but I did uh, research it. The media had them fourth in the east, not in the SEC, fourth in the east. Okay, so right. you know they had Bama over them, and they probably had Arkansas over them. So when you factor in, I would say, yeah, A&M. Florida, Florida A&M for sure. Florida is middle of the pack in SEC. They could climb as high as third they could drop as low as 10th. So Utah did not get beat by the the team that's going to represent the East in Atlanta I, I I feel like that's what you're saying and couldn't agree more. agreed yep. All right so that kind of wraps up all I had for commentary. The last thing I had was was about Bama but I we'll just go ahead and get into that in the recap. So um you know that we looked at we looked at a lot of games last week we're not going to recap all of them or if we we do we might just talk about the final score like I see here I've got LSU and FSU down as a as a bullet point we've already really talked about them but you know the biggie this is a Bama podcast so we're going to go with Bama Utah State Bama wins 55 to nothing Tom I will let you take it uh take it from here and I'll respond if you leave anything out
1: Yeah. I will start on the defensive side of the ball, and I don't have a lot to say here except for that we were really impressive. We were impressive against a team that last year Utah State. I don't remember exactly the the stat, but they were in the top thirty in total offense or total passing offense, something like that. They were not. They were, they were a pretty good offensive team last year, and they brought eight of those returning starters back into this season. So that wasn't just a cupcake team we played Saturday. Against Alabama, we can make a lot of teams look like cupcakes, but that team went uh, 11-3 and last year, won their conference. So their quarterback was one of the guys that, that was returning. He ended up leaving the game when they got down 34-0. I think at that point he was three for nine, 39 yards. So I'm hoping this defense can can keep up this kind of – we're not going to shut everybody out, out, obviously, but this defense looks nasty. They lived up to their billing on Saturday. What I thought was the most interesting part of the game, though, was our passing to rushing ratio
0: Saturday. Did you did you take note of that at all? No, I know you're the stat man, so I'm, I rely on you for that. Well, Bryce Young had
1: five impromptu rushes for 100 yards. So that's something he hardly ever does, but, but he did Saturday. So if you, if you consider that those were actually passing plays where he scrambled, because none of those were called runs. No. We had 45 passing plays versus only 27 rushing plays.
0: That needs to, to change, in to my opinion.
1: Well, to put that in perspective, last year we were 53% pass, almost a 50-50. And in the previous year, the year that we won the championship, we were 48% pass, even below, run it just a little bit more than we passed it. But but in both those years, close to 50-50. I don't know if they were maybe just trying to work on a few things and uh, or, or maybe... Utah State give them a lot of looks where they called plays at the line and said, you know, this is an obvious passing play based on defense. Up. I don't know, but I just found that to be interesting. One of the other interesting parts about it was, you know, Jameer Gibbs was a big-time receiver of the football out of the backfield at Georgia Tech. That was one of his high-priority things over there is where he ground a lot of his yards up. He did have one catch, and I'm not saying we need him to do everything he did there. And I'm not saying we tried to in the first game against this cupcake. But it was just something to note that he only had one catch, only had one target. I'm thinking a lot of that's getting left in the pocket for future games, so expect that number to go up here in the future. But one thing that I did like about our running game, and, and I'll wrap this up really quick after this, one thing... That was very apparent to me and and as soon as as soon as it happened i I was like, "Yes, I did a little fist pump here at the house. You know, Gibbs had that fifty eight yarder uh that that rush that he broke into the secondary. Now, I think he should have just kept on the jets, and he might have made the corner. I think he made a bad decision there at the end to try to stop and cut back, and he got tackled. Uh, there on the 10 or 15-yard line, whatever it was. I think he might have made the corner if he just kept his jets going there. But the, the most interesting part about that for me was that it was a 58-yard rush. As good as Brian Robinson was last year, his entire senior season – which actually includes his entire career because he didn't play much. But in his entire career at Alabama, his longest rush from scrimmage was 37 yards. Really? Who was that against? I don't recall. (laughs) Come on, Tom.
0: (laughs) What are we paying you for?
1: Uh, Yeah. But I remember us talking about that last year. We were talking about him being a a bruiser type back, but we were missing that experience explosive touchdown that break 50 yards off and actually score instead I mean he was great at getting eight to 15 yards and just pounding people in the process and getting it and there was nothing (laughs) wrong with that he did just I mean he played himself right into the NFL doing that last year but uh
0: (laughs) Brian I gotta interrupt this is my favorite quote I don't remember what running back but you know B-Rob was tell the coach last year coach you need one I get you three you need nine I get you three (laughs) (laughs) that's about the size of
1: but but i was i was happy to see a running back that had the ability to get the the second level and i think that's what he brings because he's certainly not the size of b rob but you can definitely see his his quickness his feet are much quicker and i think he's faster out of the gate so when he gets a hole and he finds it, I think he's he's capable of taking it to the house. So I, 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 I took that away as a big positive on Saturday. It, again, with a game like that, you you just kind of got to read between the lines a little bit about what we're going to see in the future, and I think that's one of them. And I hope, like you just mentioned, that the passing-to-rush ratio will definitely change to more of a 50-50 balanced attack moving forward. I just thought that was interesting that, that that percentage of run pass happen against opponent the caliber of Utah State. Usually I would think it would be much easier to get that balanced attack against that kind of team, but it didn't happen Saturday.
0: Yeah, you know, we've we've been spoiled with the running back, the, the caliber of running backs. I mean, we've had two Heisman Trophy winners. The last two running backs to win the Heisman Trophy have both been from Alabama. And with Ingram, I mean, going back even to 07, 08 with, uh, with Coffee, with Ingram, and then the next year with Trent, you those kids, those guys could take it uh, the distance from, you know, 85, 70, 50 yards out. And then, of course, we had Derrick Henry. We had Josh Jacobs. We had Damian Harris. But, you know, Najee, I, I would be interested to see what his longest rush because we have really not had that running back from the opponent's Or from our own 40, which will be a 60-yard run. I bet you Najee never broke one that far. And I can almost guarantee you that Trent, and I know Derrick Henry did, but Trent, Mark, maybe even Yeldon probably had those runs. Josh Jacobs might have had those runs. Kenyon Drake. So, And it's, it's fine. You don't have to always take it to the house. Najee is a fantastic running back, was a fantastic running back. I heard today that he got named captain of the Pittsburgh Steelers in his second year. That is Fantastic. I mean, nice. what, a, what a great program, uh, franchise. And, and he, you know, very well respected in the NFL already. B-Rob was slated to start. So it's not a knock on them that they're just a different type of back. But, and so when you talked about the Bama pass versus rush, and uh, I would say, you know, two years ago in 2020 is because we had Najee. And, I mean, he was one of those, coach, you need one, i get you three. Coach, you need nine, I'll get you 12. I mean, he could go. And I, I really think with the fact that Bryce was out of character, ran, rushed for 100 yards, they, Utah State, like I said, we've talked about it a number of times, I'm, I'm a ball watcher. I do not know X's and O's uh, like a coach would. But I would, I would guarantee you, if you sat down with a coach there, they would say, okay, here's why we did – here's why we, the run was open – for Bryce, because they were they were defending they were defending pass, and um, that's all I can explain is the the looks they gave us because they must have been dropping deep in coverage trying to take away the pass, and but they probably showed a rush front. I don't know Tom, but it, you know the the fact that he ran for a hundred is just very out of character for him. I love it because right now who are you gonna give the Heisman Trophy to after one week? If you had to give the Heisman Trophy away, who are you giving it to? I mean, it has to be Bryce, doesn't it?
1: I think so. Five touchdown passes
0: and one rush?
1: Yeah, he definitely is. Statistically, he dwarfs all other competitors, all other legitimate competitors for the Heisman Trophy in Week 1. You know, there would be an argument for... Uh, we'll get into the Oregon UGA game, but there'd be an argument for a Stetson Bennett after week one, just based on competition. But yes, I agree with you stats and just looking at, at, at who's doing what. I mean, he's picking up after Heisman campaign mm-hmm. and it's hard to do has only been done once as a repeat. And so it's, yeah. a, it's a, people look for reasons not to give it to you after you've won it once. So it's, it's tougher to win the second one, but he's off to a great start.
0: The, the stat that I'm most happy with is you mentioned uh, Utah State. Their, their, you mentioned their quarterback was like three for nine for 39 after he got pulled. The stat that I'm most impressed with is Utah State finished with 57 yards passing. Okay, on the first play of the game, they threw for 23 yards. So the rest of the game, they had 33, 43, 53, what, 34 yards passing the rest of the game. For the last Mm -hmm. three quarters and 14 minutes and 30 seconds, they passed for whatever I just said, 34 yards. That was just fantastic. And, you know, we did get the shutout. And I look for – I think it was big for a couple of reasons. One, it's always good to, uh, to pitch that shutout these days with the way the offenses are. But two, I believe that Saban took it personally last year of how good Georgia's defense was because Georgia won a national title last year the way that I did not think you could win a national title anymore. They had adequate quarterback play. They, they had their Greg McElroy or their John Parker Wilson or their maybe even Jake Coker. And they won a national title. I don't think I didn't think you could do that anymore, and and they showed that you could. I don't think they can do it this year. And like you said, Stetson Bennett looked much better as a quarterback. But my point, what I'm going to say about the, the shutout, the second point is, I think that Saban is going to send a message this year that defense begins and ends in the SEC at Alabama. I think he's going to keep one eye on what Georgia does. You know. It, People might say, oh, you're, you're crazy. Saban takes them one at a time. Well, I watched, it was uh, last week right before the the game started. It's probably like Tuesday or Wednesday night. And uh, it was when we beat Tebow in the title game. And Tebow was talking present day. You know, I think it was recorded last year. And he said when Saban came to him, uh, Saban said, I just want you to know we worked on you for one year, you know. And McElroy even said, McElroy said when they when they got down after that we beat Auburn nineteen to fourteen at Jordan Hare. So we open up Sunday practice for Florida, and they're showing McElroy defensive fronts and defensive looks. and And Greg's like, I've seen this before. He's like, We worked on this in the summer, so don't don't be fooled. Saban sees the big picture. He knows what kind of football team we have, and he you know I, I really believe that he is going to try to one-up Georgia at any time he can. But let's, talking about Georgia, let's talk about them. And we've already mentioned a little bit in the commentary, man, they look good. I mean, they just looked – it looked like a – in high school ball, it looked like a 5A playing a 2A. And, I mean, it just – they had more speed. They had more size. They had more depth. It just – Oregon really didn't have much a shot.
1: No, not at all. You know who Bennett reminded me of in that game? Joe Burrow. Yeah. It was it was uh the, it was the exact same kind of start that Joe Burrow had the year that he went. You know, the the previous year the Joe Burrow people did didn't realize it but he was a starter at LSU the year before his national championship run and they they lost what four games, oh, five was, games, yeah. whatever it was. Uh and he he got he got exponentially better in the off season and had one heck of a year that following year. You know, they they played like the second best team that ever played a season. Um, And that's the kind of start and the kind of game that he provided them all year. Now, Ken Stetson Bennett do it all season. Last year, he only had one 300-yard passing game that they won. What I mean by that in a victory, they Mm -hmm. he had a 300 yard passing game in the SEC championship game where we we throttled them, and I think that was just you know them trying to throw from behind the whole game that kind of inflated his stats. But but in a victory, he only had one 300 yard passing game last year, and no, it wasn't in the national championship game. So, uh, is this a thing a sign of things to come for him? Maybe, maybe. One thing that we don't know of, though, is is how good is Oregon?
0: Yeah, um, for sure.
1: You know, last year, Oregon come out, if you remember, in the second week of the season, and shocked Ohio State. It mm. was a very shocking game. But after that game, you know, and and if we if we look back at the history of the last five, six, seven, eight years, Ohio State is prone to lay an egg during the season. They they've done that many times, and and last year was that egg because after that, Oregon went on to lose to every other ranked team they played, which there were three of them by at least 15 points in each of those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was by 15, and a couple more were you know, 20 to 30 point losses than the other two. And and they also lost to unranked Stanford. So they were mediocre at best last year with one one big win, but. Uh, they got blown out in their bowl game. Uh, that was one of the ranked teams that they, they lost. So, uh, not not you know not saying they can't turn around this year and, and find a silver lining after getting throttled like they did. But looking at that team on Saturday, it really looked like they were more of a you know a, a seven and five type team.
0: Yeah. Now they've got a ways yeah. to go for sure. No disrespect to Georgia, I think Georgia, where you can possibly get them, is how how much can they stretch the field? Their their tight end room might be is probably going to be the best ever when these kids get in a pro. I mean Eric Gilbert, who we died to get two or three years ago, he went to LSU, flaked out, went to Georgia. We thought he'd flaked out. He's running third team at Georgia. He would be our starting tight end probably right now. And then you got Brock Bowers and you've got uh, Washington, I think is his last name. Then you've got a a true freshman that is like 6'6". Just, he's amazing. Uh, But where where are the kids that can stretch the field? McConkie is the only one. I mean, Burton plays in Tuscaloosa now. So I think that is the biggest concern that Georgia is going to have is when you get to, when you get against a team that can, uh, and maybe Tennessee can do it, maybe Florida can do it, I'm not saying they can beat them, but they can put Stetson in that third and, you know, first and 10, and the running back loses two yards, second and 12, and you take a a three-yard sack, third and 15, you know, how quickly can you get Brock Bowers down the field to hit him? I mean, these little dink and dunk passes and letting him run, I don't think it's going to work all year. But you mentioned Ohio State, so let's go ahead and roll to them with Notre Dame. They yeah before you
1: before you roll into them, the one thing that I, that I thought was really, really interesting, and I forgot to mention it. Of course, everybody knows that Nix went over to uh, Oregon to, to play quarterback. In that game, he completed 21 of 37 for 173 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Last year against Georgia, when he played with Auburn, he was 21 of 38, 217 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. The year (laughs) before that, when he played Georgia, he was 21 of 40, 177 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. So combined in the last three years, he's thrown no touchdowns. He's thrown four interceptions. And unbelievably, in each of those games, he's completed exactly 21 passes. (laughs) <laughs> is the lowest amount numbers. of attempts was 37. I just thought that was just that. That is what. That's more. That's more of going where your quarterback goes than the team you're playing.
0: Yeah, that is. Uh, that's the consistency you're looking for, Tom. <laughs>
1: But let's, let's, or if you're in Tuscaloosa.
0: <laughs> let's go ahead and, uh, and, and go to Ohio State. And like you said about them in Oregon, you said Ohio State lays an egg. And I tell you, I, I'm not sure they didn't lay their egg in a win over Notre Dame. As you know, I have zero respect for Notre Dame. Never had respect for Notre Dame. I hate Notre Dame. They're up there with Auburn and, and Tennessee for me. They're not good. They didn't score in the second half. Ohio State lost Smith and Jigba for, you know, early on, they tried to play him, then he was out the rest of the game. But you know what, Tom, that's no excuse. As Georgia fans told us last year, just because you lose your wide receivers, you should still win. So we're not going to let Ohio State use that as a crutch because Bama fans can't use it as a crutch. That's big tongue in cheek there. But I I really feel like one guy, RJ RJ Young, I think he has a Twitter account. I don't know exactly who he works for, what he does, but he's got a lot of followers, and he put out his top 25 for week two, and he had Notre Dame at five. He didn't move them one spot. And first off, they're overrated, and second off, I really believe at the end of the year, when you look at Ohio State, when they complete their 12-game season, I think you're going to look back, and Notre Dame is going to be one of the worst games they play all year. They were out of sync. You know, we get, we get spoiled and we get into the, the mindset of uh, that it's robots out there playing football instead of college kids because our last the, – the taste that was in our mouth last with Ohio State was Smithing Jigba and uh, the quarterback – help me out, please – Oh, I can't keep up with all of them, sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, for, for uh, um, God, I can't think. That's terrible. I'll think of it in a minute. Yeah, you know, they were sitting Rose Bowl records. They absolutely trounced, I think, Utah and the Rose Bowl, whoever they played. And we just felt like it was going to be, you know, hey, this is going to be the next game, and they just didn't play well at all. Stroud. Yeah, thank you, C.J. Stroud. So, uh, you know, it didn't happen. They they slopped around. They got, the, they got an 11-point win. And they flex their muscle, and like I said, in the second half. But Notre Dame is the, the new coach. They're they are like you said. They have a ceiling. They're always going to have a ceiling if they if they do not relax entrance requirements. They're going to have that ceiling. I really feel like they need to join a conference. And the good news is, is they are they are behind the eight ball. I'm not going to say they can't make the playoffs because that was is going to turn out to be respectable loss. because like, like I said, Ohio State. They're gonna have some impressive wins. They're gonna beat the the crap out of some teams this year. So it's gonna make that eleven point loss in Columbus look a little bit better. But it's gonna be polishing a turd because Notre Dame is not good. One more loss and they're out.
1: Yeah, and speaking of that, and I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, one of the things that happened this week too was the the announcement of the twelve team playoff. But this is the first time since gosh I guess it was the when the BCS was uh, involved that's exactly right so I'm, I was trying to think back so when the BCS put together their formulas in computer rankings you know it was spitting out teams uh, to, to, to play in it one thing that was in the BCS formulas and such was uh, I can't remember exactly how it was put but basically Notre Dame got a little bit of special treatment in in some of that. Yeah, Same it was a, if they were the,
0: top 15 they automatically got a BCS bowl bid.
1: There it was. There it was. And you know they were they were, I, I couldn't remember exactly what it was but they were in the meetings, you know, it was always okay, here's the 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 conference commissioners and Notre Dame. And Jack
0: Swarbrick. And, I, I can't stand that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's the dumbest thing ever, and it 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 kind of happened in the playoff or got away from it a little bit in the playoff because they were just saying hey just top four teams there was no association with any conferences or whatever, but one thing when they come out with this twelve team playoff they went and said initially of course nothing's been finalized but the initial scu- initial scuttlebutt out there is that they're taking top five or six conference champions as long as there are the top five or six ranked conference tech champions, I guess that they left the door open for a non-P5 conference if they were ranked higher, could get in as a champion. Yeah. But they did not mention Notre Dame at all. And I thought that was was really good. Although they did say that he was the representative in there when they were discussing this and putting it to a vote, that he was one of the votes, which still makes me sick. But... They did not get special treatment about trying to get into the, the the twelve team playoff because they're you know only have one or two losses whatever and I hope that holds true so I, I I just that jumped to mind when you said that but but I agree with you I don't know I don't know how good Notre Dame I don't know how good Ohio State is Ohio State's got all the pieces there we know though that mm-hmm. they've got a lot of name pieces from last year like you said C J Stroud the wide receiver I never can pronounce his name. Uh, Their running back was it Henderson, His, really, really good. They give up a lot of yards last year, and so there's a lot of people pointing, oh, wow, look at Ohio State's defense this year. That was the only piece they were missing. Ah, yeah, Notre Dame's been unimpressive many, many times, and I, I'm not so sure that was a product of Ohio State's defense or Notre Dame's ineptitude on offense. But we'll, we'll see how both of these games shake out. If I had to guess i would say that like you mentioned this was ohio state's hiccup game of the year uh being an opener and and just not having all their feet under them yet trying to gauge and trying to balance themselves moving forward and regardless of whether you and i think this is true or not if notre dame's ranked number five it could be anybody ranked number five but if you got the number five team coming into your house as a night game on the opening uh, day of the season, it's probably a little jittery. You know that I think mm-hmm. there were probably some some things that weren't as smooth as they they will likely be in, in game eight or nine. Um, but I did I'll also say this: I didn't pay attention 100% every play because we played. And I would much rather us play Utah or see us play Utah State than I would a top five matchup in Ohio State. So, I had both games on, and I tried to keep an eye on each one of them, but I definitely paid more attention to ours.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of our game, let's go ahead and jump into the game of the week. I, I wrote down three games, but honestly, there's not a whole lot in other conferences that are, that's going to make waves this weekend. You know, week three, we've got Auburn and Penn State that will definitely make the docket next week. But let's talk Bama, Texas. If we have time, we'll talk Arkansas and who does Arkansas play? Um, South, Carolina. South Carolina. We can talk Kentucky, Florida, if we have time. But uh, let's let's really dive into this Bama, Texas. So the line came out. Bama was like I think opened at sixteen, seventeen. It's already been bet to twenty. Man, that is a that is a lot of disrespect to Texas. I mean, a, a home twenty point dog, and you know they they talked to the Sarkesian. And he said that uh, the game plans have been in place for three months. So, is that concerning? It, it is to me because they are putting all their eggs in this basket. I feel like that A and M put all their eggs in the Bama basket last year because A and M was coming off of back to back losses to Arkansas and Mississippi State going into the Bama week. We and it, it made us relax. I mean, I had no. I remember I went to see Hendrix Misty's little boy play uh, football and. That's, that's not on my contract. I've contracted for one game a year for him because <laughs> Red Bay plays Saturday afternoons for Little League football. And I thought our game was at 6 and it was at 7 and we in the Bama game. So I text Misty. I'm like, hey, have they started yet? She's like, no. I said, okay, I'll come watch him. So I, I was really laid back, had no fear of A&M, and we, know all, we all know how that went. So it is concerning. He changed us. Yeah, it is concerning that, that Sark has been preparing for us. Uh, you know, they're they're running back. We're gonna see what our run defense is really made of because B. John Robinson is a is a dark horse Heisman candidate, maybe not even dark horse. I mean, he he's probably the top running back as far as odds go to win the to, to win the Heisman trophy. And man, I mean if he could if they could pull the upset, even if they don't pull the upset, if he can go for, say, hundred and sixty five yards and two touchdowns, that is gonna vault him into into the leaderboard of the Heisman trophy. But I don't know how good they're going to be. I don't know how many yards he's going to be able to get with because what are they going to have in the passing game? You know, Ears is uh, – he's a second-year player, but he didn't play any last year to my knowledge. He was at Ohio State, and I think he did adequate Saturday, but he did not face the defense he's about to face this weekend. I really feel like we're going to mix some coverages for him that he's never seen. And I, I feel like that against Utah State, we didn't we didn't show our hand. I mean, sure to goodness we didn't show our hand. You know, I think defensively we're going sure to have new looks for them. Offensively we're going to have new looks for them. I really feel like we win this game, and I feel like we win it win it handily. But we cannot fall into that trap we fell into last year at A and M. You know, we can't we can't muff a punt. We can't get a punt blocked. We can't miss field goals. We can't lay the ball on the turf and all of a sudden in the first quarter, you know, Texas is up seven to six and then then in the halftime, you know, Texas is only down three. Like we've got to come out and we've got to score our first possession, hold them three and out, four and out, five and out, whatever, you know, or, or field go at worst. And but we've got to push that lead, take their crowd out because you might have heard our band is not traveling this weekend. Did you did you know that?
1: <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. Did that. you
0: see where they were gonna put us? And the upper I deck, I mean, w- well. what a dick move, dude. Like, I mean, come <laughs> on, you know. I, I just I hope we return the favor to them next year. I'm sure we won. I'm sure we'll do the right thing and put them 50-yard line. But, you know, our band is not going, and, and that may seem kind of okay, whatever. But Bama will take some fans. And the band, you know, we have certain numbers that we play that gets the fans a little chance or whatnot. Well, that's not going to be there. So uh, you know they're doing what they can to win this ball game, and we've got to take their crowd out early. But good thing, Thomas, the big noon kickoff. So how how yeah, amped how amped can you be at eleven o'clock Central Daylight Time?
1: <laughs> well, if you're if you're Matthew McConaughey, he he gets uh, what do you say lubed up really early for these types of games. <laughs> I, I, I watched him talk about him going to. A texas game with his boys one time and he watches games there about like we do so i i respected that but um you, you're right Bijan robinson is by a lot of pundits the best running back in the nation he's 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 really really good and this is going to be the uh, the biggest test obviously for our defense this year but it may be the biggest test all year uh against a Russian offense now I'll <clears throat> when when you mentioned that it got me thinking outside of Bijan you know who who is gonna who are we gonna face that's gonna be close to his caliber and I, I think you immediately go to Tank Bigsby mm-hmm. but I'm hoping that Auburn's a shell of themselves by the time we get there uh who knows uh you got, who's that cat from A&M? Uh, A-Chain. a A-chain.
0: A-Chain, yeah.
1: Off the chain. <laughs> he uh, he's, he's really good. Uh, but beyond that, there's not a lot of big-time runners in the SEC. Uh, out, of course, Gibbs, I think, yeah. but runners that we play against. Yeah, McIntosh from so Georgia
0: is, would be top five, but we don't play them unless they meet us in Atlanta.
1: That's right. That's right. So, so this is this is going to be a, a, a big time test for our rush defense, and like you mentioned, on the road here, this is the first true road game we're going to have out of conference in quite some time. We need to take the crowd out early. You know, if you if you're Alabama and you can get up on a team, Utah State is obviously not a great example, but the example is still set. You get up on Utah State by a good many points, and they start pulling their starters. They 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 took I say their starters. They pulled their starting quarterback yeah, at least. Yeah, But you you just got to take them out of it early, and make sure that they don't feel like they can play with you. Because the longer the team a team st- sticks around, hangs around, the more dangerous they become in the second half. That's that's how Texas A&M got us last year that's you know there was no no reason at all AM should have been in that game last year but that's exactly how that went down now as a couple of side notes uh if if you've been keeping up with it I.G. Hall will be
0: playing this weekend I guess uh, I was wondering about that I text Neutron and he wasn't sure so he had a little running with the law did that just disappear
1: well, that was way back in August, Tiffin. So there, he's had plenty qu- of time. Know, I'm comp- not sure he's had his court date yet, but apparently he served all the internal. Uh, the he he had to sit out for the Louisiana Monroe game.
0: Tom, um, that right there is a classic case of me being a true Bama fan and living in the past. August is last month, dude. It's time to move on. Mm,
1: that's that's exactly right. Now here here is an uh, another interesting side note. Jaleel Billingsley, the, our other transfer that went to Texas, he will not be playing this weekend because apparently he's been suspended by the NCAA for six games for something that happened while he was at Alabama. <laughs> I have no idea what it is. Awesome. They didn't elaborate. Maybe it so was illegal he,
0: benefits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: just illegal NIL money. Whatever <laughs> it is, uh, uh, he, he will not be playing. So uh, we won't – and I was very – he has all the talent in the world, as we lauded last year. He just never could get his head on, right? And yep. Apparently, his head is still off. But uh, So so we will be seeing IG uh, on Saturday. I'm hoping that he's uh, not a, a big factor, like you said. We need to, we need to get on Ewers. Is it Ewers? Yeah, Quinn Ewers. Ewers. We need yeah. to get on him early and often. And uh oh and by the way, did you like the uh title of the podcast this week?
0: I noticed that, okay, if you're gonna play in Texas, it just now hit me. I like it. Get a get a fiddle in the band. <laughs> yeah, we're getting a fiddle in the band, so <laughs> I'm uh, about to ask yeah, you about that's, that. That's all I have. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There
0: you go. Now you know. The more you know. <laughs> So, all right, let's give, predict a winner. Uh, like I said, the line is going to hang around 19, 20, 21. So, you got Bama winning. What What is the what is the spread? What do you think we win by? I won't ask you for a, a final score unless you want to give one. It's up to you.
1: I think we cover. Uh, I still like our defense. I hope this is the defense that I was waiting on last year. I think they're going to have a hard time. I'm I'm thinking somewhere around the – 38 to 10 range, something like that?
0: That's funny. I, see, I think that if the number stays around 19 or 20, I don't think we cover, and that's exactly what I have. us. I've got us 38, I've got them 20. And I could see us getting, you know, having the ball up 38, 20. Does Saban decide to kick a field goal? Do we just go for it on fourth down with the in the waning moments and, and, you know, less than a minute left and turn it over on downs? But I, I do, for some reason, I see 38 to, you know, 17 to 20. I think we'll be right there on the number, which uh, you know, if you if you follow our bets, a uh, good thing they're for entertainment purposes only. You'll know that it, it'll probably be forty-five to nothing now, or it'll be twenty-one to twenty with our track record. Because last week, as you know, we take two games a week, and uh, and I took took a I wore the collar this week, if you will. I had Oregon uh, covering seventeen, not even close. I had Ohio State covering. <laughs> Seventeen, mm-hmm. not even close, and I guess I was just trying to will Oregon to, to beat Georgia or play with Georgia, and man, that was a mistake on my part. Ohio State, I actually had them at fourteen like two months ago, and if the kicker does not miss the the field goal in the first half, I get a push. So, but but I took the L. The line settled at seventeen, so I went over two. Uh, sorry about, sorry about your luck if you put real money on these because mm. I would not advise it.
1: Well, I'm not sorry about mine. We split. If you went with me, we were, we were, I had Florida as an outright winner. Of course, you took the money line there. You you actually made money on the weekend. Uh, I got sort of I got sort of uh, robbed a little bit on the Georgia State game. Remember, I said that was a strange line mm-hmm. with South Carolina, with all the hype they were getting off their new quarterback from Oklahoma and and they were only a 12-point favorite. Georgia State led that game 14-12 to 12 in the third quarter. They were winning, and I was getting 12 points. <laughs> you know what the difference in that game was? Georgia State went on to have not one, but two block, punts, block and return. Both of them returned for touchdowns. Punt.
0: It's hard to overcome that. Punt. Uh, hmm? Georgia State punt. Punt. Georgia no State less.
1: punt. That's right. And... I, I'm not taking this this week as one of my one of my games of the week but they end up losing that game I think 35 to 14 on, on the heels of those two punt returns or pump blocks this week they're only nine point dogs versus North Carolina yeah it's very interesting they they're getting a lot of respect in Vegas Georgia State is and and they should have, by all rights and purposes. They, they played a much better game than 35-14 to 14 yeah, score definitely. indicated last week at South Carolina. So keep an eye on that when I started to go with them again, but sometimes those teams just are, are, are bad luck. <laughs> so we've
0: started off at a blazing one and three as a tandem. And I, I think the reason, you know, North Carolina, like we talked about, I, we, I don't even think we talked about it on air last week, I could not believe North Carolina opened up on the road at App State, and that line was only two, and uh, they pushed it because UNC one by two, like, like you said, App State went for two point conversions and uh, and you know missed both of them. But North Carolina, and that was that kind of goes back to the ACC. We talked about them to, to start the podcast. You know they. The ACC did not look good this week. And North Carolina led the way along with Boston College. I mean, you've got to go to App State and win convincingly. They just didn't do it. So, uh, game one this week, I'm going to take game one because I've only written down three games. And if you steal both my my teams, I'll be without a team. So, I'm going to go game one. I'm going to go Pitt plus seven over Tennessee. Uh, Pitt. Did not live up to expectations this week. They beat West Virginia by one, I believe it was. Is that right? Uh, in an emotional game. You know, backyard right. brawl. And Tennessee, everybody's loving it on Tennessee. They, You beat Ball State. I mean, come on. Let's beat somebody before we go to crowning you. The game is at Pittsburgh. or No, I guess it's at Tennessee. Heck, I don't even know. I'd have to look and see. But anyway, I'm taking Pitt plus seven. I think Tennessee's getting way too much credit. Pitt's not getting enough love. So I'm going Pitt plus seven.
1: It is it is interesting this week, if you look just briefly at the lines, SEC went 13-1 and won straight up last week with uh, LSU as the lone exception. They had a chance to win that one, obviously. But this week, uh, SEC goes out of conference uh, in several places, and in several places we are underdogs um, and I say we, the SEC, uh, you've got uh, Missouri is an underdog, Vanderbilt's an underdog. I don't know how they're an underdog after starting 2-0. and o, But uh, I think there's one more that I'm, I'm not recalling now. So I think there are three. So I, I think the SEC is setting up to lose more this week. But I'm going outside of the SEC for my first game. I'll take the Thundering Herd. They're catching 20-and-a-half against Ohio State.
0: Yeah, I, that's looked at, only, I looked at that that's game only as well.
1: A, that's only a field goal more than Notre Dame was catching against them.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Very interesting line.
0: Yeah, Very it is. Very
1: interesting. I, I
0: saw that. So I, I'm
1: going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a thundering herd there, catching the 20 and a half. You'll, you'll probably be lucky to get that at 21 or, or higher by the time the game gets here, but uh, that's, that's game one for me.
0: Yeah. My second game is going to be Kentucky at Florida. Kentucky catching four and a half. I'm going to say I, I'm impressed by, by Florida's win. They, they gritted it out. But, you know, they did not play uh, – they played a Pac-12 defense. They didn't play an SEC defense. And even though it's Kentucky, I think their defense is going to be better than Utah. So, well, AR-15 is going to have to throw some. He can't rely on his legs all the time. And Kentucky is supposed to be a little bit better at quarterback. So I'm going to take them plus four and a half. I'd like to go out right win, but I don't think that's going to happen, uh, but I think it'll be within a field goal game.
1: Yeah, I, I like that pick. Florida had a tough time playing defense in the second half uh, last week against Utah. So Kentucky's going to want to run the ball, control the clock and, and, and ground and pound in the trenches. So I, I think that's pretty good. My second pick I'm going with the Iowa State Cyclones catching four over Iowa. Did you see the score of the Iowa game this past week?
0: Yeah, 7 to 3. I mean, it's touchdown field goal. What do you want?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's what you would that's what you'd expect. <laughs> yeah. First team first team to score 7 points without actually scoring a touchdown in like 22 years. <laughs> they they were tied at halftime and outscored their opponent 4 to nothing in the second half. Terrible. Very very well done Iowa. But I still think if you remember uh, from a couple weeks ago I predicted Iowa State to win the the uh, conference out there and I think this is a good first step. They are an underdog uh, versus Iowa, but I think that that underdog uh line is misplaced here. I actually think Iowa State should probably be a small favorite against Iowa expect a pretty low scoring game again but Iowa State's got much better offense than Iowa doesn't doesn't take much obviously but I think they can get it done
0: yeah okay so that's on the record I've got Pitt Kentucky you've got Iowa State and you've got Marshall so let's start out with a big 4-0 and to start your weekend going into the NFL action on Sunday so remember, uh, that's going to wrap up this podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at @targetingnot, at jtiffbama 98 or at UART Let us know if that you're listening. And Tom, as always, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Horns down and roll tide. <laughs> roll tide.
1: Take have it easy, seen guys.